0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity and World Religions is a book by longtime Unity minister Paul John Roach that connects the dots between Unity teachings and the tenets of the world's religions. Get your copy today at unity.org slash worldreligions.
1: We're glad you found us.
2: This is Unity Online Radio.
1: The voice of an awakening world.
0: It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson.
3: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and a media producer type. I run a website called com, and I'm here with our very own Sorcerer Supreme, Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson, the Senior Minister for the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Baltimore. How you doing, Raymond? I'm doing very well. And yourself? I'm doing great. Doing great. Now, you are a Sorcerer Supreme, aren't you?
2: Yes, I'm calling in from the Sanctum Sanctorum right now.
3: Okay, so I want you to tell people what you wear around your neck sometimes. Oh, the Eye of Agamotto, of
2: course. I yes. mean, other things, but you know, anytime I'm speaking on Sunday and you know, whatever, whatever, the Eye of Agamotto, of course.
3: <laughs> what is that in Doctor Strange world?
2: So in Doctor Strange's world, it is the amulet that one uh, in, in uh, holds the time stone which is one of the infinity stones and it gives him the ability or whomever is using it to alter transcend manipulate time now in the comic books one of the things the eye of agamotto gave him the ability to do was only see the truth
3: ah so which do you prescribe to yeah i i I like them
2: both you know because if i could manipulate time i would but I like the idea of only
3: being able to see and focus on the truth. I said prescribe. I guess it's because doctor, you know, <laughs> prescribe. You, you give a weekly prescription.
2: Exactly.
3: A spiritual prescription. <laughs> now, for me, now, for me, I just wear my Star Wars boxer shorts all the time in the hope that it will make me a Jedi. I never take them off. So I'm hoping that something will transfer eventually. I have nothing to say on that subject matter. <laughs> you know, I mentioned that in the Sarah Bowen episode and she had a similar take on it. I I don't know why people don't understand this. Ooh,
2: no comment.
3: <laughs> so, uh this interview is going to be with Dean M Kowalski. Uh it should pretty much be right, uh, right up our alley. He's one of the contributors to the book Doctor Strange and Philosophy. Excuse Yes, he's also written about uh, Josh Whedon and the Whedonverse, which includes Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly. He's written about uh, Big Bang Theory and all kinds of stuff. So it's really cool. Now, let me ask you a pointed question. Uh Uh-oh. Have you seen Firefly yet? No, I have not seen Firefly yet. However, however,
2: however. (laughs) uh, Hold on here. When I was looking through my phone account with Sprint for something, uh, I found that I get Hulu with my sprint account. So I could actually log in now and start watching it.
3: Well, thank goodness, because you know, I've been bugging this this man, ladies and gentlemen, for well pretty much endlessly to watch Firefly because it's such an awesome show. And, and just um, so
2: you know, he's not exaggerating. It's been 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the <laughs> last <laughs>
3: Now I'm telling you, you miss it's a it's a great sci fi show and what's interesting there's a, there's really an interesting spiritual dialogue between this uh the, the preacher book and uh captain mao uh mao pretty much lost his faith during the war that happened whereas book who has an interesting past um gained hits so it's okay. it's really kind of an interesting thing i think you'll
2: i'm looking forward i'm looking i actually am i'm looking forward to it sure you are
3: sure you're yeah i'm not but <laughs> <from>
2: I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm way behind on my television stuff. The only thing on television I've been watching recently, Netflix watching the Messiah.
3: Go figure. A spiritual guy <laughs> watching something called the Messiah. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very controversial. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen it. I'll have to catch it. Yeah, it's a very controversial show. I right hear. Pop
2: pop culture reference in there because the things they discuss relating, you know, Christianity and Islam and war, and it's deep.
3: Sounds like a good time. <laughs> Live long and prosper. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure it's a great, a great interesting show, so I will, I will definitely look for it. We have to talk Mandalorian at some point. Oh, I'm ready when you are. Okay, now you're making me feel um, judged because uh, I'm giving you all stupid fun shows and you're giving me like the Messiah and, you know, like deep stuff. Am I judging myself there? Yes, that's you.
2: (laughs) Because since I watch everything through a uh, metaphysical lens, you know, even when I'm watching, you know, the Messiah, I'm looking for what is the metaphysical lesson within this. Like there's a, I don't know if you met her, but the one deaf woman that currently attends CSO at Baltimore, she made a comment on Facebook about she couldn't get into it because of the politics and the this and the that. And I said, well, take a pause back and just think about it's raising questions about faith. What does faith mean to you? What are your belief systems? Etc. So it's,
3: it's all spirit. I've heard that before.
2: Once or twice, at
3: least. Once or twice
2: all right are you you
3: ready are you ready for uh dueling inspirations yes i believe that i am you want to go first or shall i yeah i'll let you go first this time okay god sleeps in the rock dreams in the plant stirs in the animal and awakens in man that's a sufi teaching Yes, I've
2: heard so many people quote that sometimes after you're like, wait a minute, who originally, where did that originally come from?
3: Who knows? It might be Billy Idol again, but it, uh, from what I saw, it's, from what I've been told, it's a Sufi teaching. Yeah, imagine you said Billy Idol. Because <laughs> I just started
2: hearing Billy Idol music in my head. Okay, you ready? Yes. Philippe Venier, a religious mystic who was martyred under the Nazis in World War II. Came through unspeakable treatment with an unshakable faith and a radiant consciousness. The philosophy that he evolved while in his furnace of affliction has been a light to countless persons who walk in darkness. That humankind is a torchbearer of the light of God, that we should not spend our time groaning over what the world lacks, but bring it what it needs. He called, for, he called for all persons to flame up and shine, lift high the fire of God. Wow. You know who, who is that? Eric Butterworth. Oh, good dude. Yeah, he's, he's good for bringing something to make you say, well, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to take this in small bites. Wait a minute. Yeah. Def- and that was the book in the flow of life.
3: Well, listen, I think that, I'm rarely do I say this, but I think Raymond might have won that one, but audience, yeah, I know, audience, what what do you think? Who wins? The right answer will get you a signed photo of Dr. Raymond Anderson with his Dr. Strange amulet. (laughs) And, and
2: pretty soon I'm getting the whole outfit, so. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Yeah, wait till I walk in on Sunday with (laughs)
3: that. I cannot wait to see that. Sunday cosplay. Before we get to our interview, here's Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen with a new segment.
0: Spiritual Moment with Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen Hello, Big Universe listeners. This is spirituality author and educator Sarah Bowen. Each week, Jim and Raymond toss me a few words or a topic, which I reflect on, and then offer a related spiritual practice for you to try. Today, I'll consider the word strange. Dictionary.com defines Strange as unusual or surprising in a way that is unsettling or hard to understand. So, journeying from the big universe into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the 2016 film Doctor Strange certainly fits that description. Unusual, surprising, and unsettling visual effects abound wrapped in some deep thoughts about the nature of what we consider reality. In one scene, The Ancient One explains to Dr. Strange that in order to start a journey of healing, you must, quote, forget everything that you think you know, end quote. Today, let's try a short journey into our own belief systems. Here's how it works. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. Exhale slowly. Consider this idea. Clinging to beliefs that no longer feel true robs me of spiritual freedom. Take another deep breath. Exhale slowly. Now ask yourself this question. What beliefs am I clinging to as true that do not feel true? Take another deep breath. Exhale slowly. Ask yourself, And what else am I clinging to as true that does not feel true? What actions no longer feel nurturing or sustaining? Now ask yourself, am I ready to consider letting anything go? The key word here is consider. If you've held a conviction for a long time, you may feel slightly anxious. You may not be ready to let go. You may need to journal in a notebook with a hot cup of coffee for a while. Take your time, minutes, hours, or days. Revisit the questions until you hear, Yes, I am willing to let go of something I thought I knew to make room for the mystery of something new. Thanks for joining me today. Get more prompts for journaling in my book, Spiritual Rebel, a Positively Addictive Guide to Finding Deeper Perspective and Higher Purpose, from Monkfish Publishing. Find out more at spiritual-rebel.com universe. And may the source be with you.
3: All right, Raymond, should we go to our interview? Yes, let's. You ready? I'm ready. A contributor to the book Dr. Strange in Philosophy, Dean A. Kowalski is professor of philosophy at the University of Wisconsin, Waukesha, and regularly teaches philosophy of religion, Asian philosophy, and ethics. He's the author of classic questions in contemporary film and moral theory at the movies. He's the editor of the Big Bang Theory and Philosophy, The Philosophy of the X-Files, and Steven Spielberg in philosophy, and the co-editor of the philosophy of Joss Whedon. That whole Whedon verse, which is very cool to me. Welcome, Dean. Thank
1: you very much. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> all right,
3: Dean. Now we do have a geeky quiz that we asked people at the beginning of uh, some of our segments. Are you ready? <laughs> I didn't I did,
1: study. So There's a quiz.
3: There's Best a quiz. There always is. Oh, all well, right. I'm ready. It's multiple choice, so it's not it's not too bad, but you do have to... It's not multiple choice, but you do have to make decisions here. <laughs> Are you ready? Why is Raymont laughing? Because <laughs> I know what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Choose one. Marvel movies or DC movies?
1: Marvel movies.
3: Ah, oh, good answer. Good answer. Why so?
2: Why Marvel?
1: Um... Because Marvel does a much better job of uh, exploring the relationships between the superheroes and um, the public at large. Excellent. Mm-hmm.
2: Very yeah, cool. I, I, think, I think he passes.
3: Yes, yes. <laughs> um, here's a new one. Star Wars prequels or Star Wars sequels? Oh boy! <laughs> um,
1: is there another option? Um,
3: I've taken it off the table. the the, <laughs> er, the originals are, of course, the best.
1: Oh man! Um, oh, I would. All right, I I would have to say the sequels, even though I was very disappointed in them.
0: Good answer.
3: Good answer. All right. Now, this one is specific to you. Okay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Firefly? Firefly. Good answer. I'm on board with you there.
1: If you would have asked me Angel or Firefly, that would have been a little bit more difficult question. But still, still it might
3: have come out Firefly. Interesting. Interesting. All right, so we're obviously geeks, um, but but first off, uh, let let's just talk about the books you edit and the essays you write. Um, you use pop culture right. to talk about philosophy, and and we obviously do it through a spiritual lens. Why do you use pop culture to look at philosophy?
1: Right, that's a good question. So at first, what um what I realized was that um, when I was a much younger philosopher, my students. Um, were visual and and they tended to to learn that way and so when the when the matrix came out in 99 that kind of revolutionized I think how philosophy was taught in the classroom mm-hmm. I mean a, a lot of us used stuff before that like Star Trek um, and and Star Wars um, but, but when The Matrix came out, it, it really kind of put a fresh spin on the epistemology and the skepticism problem uh, about what, what can we know, um, if anything. And from there, it didn't take me very long to realize that there was a lot of philosophy in contemporary film and television. And I then started to incorporate it in my classroom a lot. Um, and so then, uh, somebody said, well, Dean, maybe you should do a book like this. And when somebody gives you that, uh, suggestion and then somebody, a publisher says, yeah, you can do it. Then you almost have to. Um, and so that's kind of where that started. And, um, what, what happened eventually though, and this is a more recent development is that I started to wonder whether or not filmmakers and, and the medium that they use, film and television, whether or not there's a message in the medium itself. Hmm. So in other words, what I started to wonder about is not just the film or the philosophy in film, but I started to wonder about whether or not film itself could be philosophy.
3: Oh, interesting.
1: And, and are, are these uh, filmmakers, do they have a view? And are they trying to express a view uh, about uh, what is good and what is right, uh, what is best, what is meaningful. Um, and I think that's what led me to Joss Whedon because I think Whedon has some views that he wants to explore through his craft. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that I, I, I've gone on this journey it, throughout my career where I started in one place um, and just trying to be a better teacher using film to share philosophy with my students to the view now that I have where film itself can be a kind of philosophy. Um, and that's what I tried to argue in my, in my latest book, Joss Whedon as Philosopher.
3: Very interesting, very interesting stuff. Very much so. Do you ever get any flack about that, or, uh, about following this pop culture path? I, I
1: did a little bit at first. Um, now I've, I've almost always had teaching positions um, and so I, have, I haven't I had a position at a high-powered research school. Um, and so then, because of that, I was given a little bit more leeway and leniency about how my professional development program could go. And so I didn't get as much flack as I might have otherwise did. In fact, I received a lot of encouragement from my colleagues. Excellent.
3: That's great. Um, so I'm, I have to put it this way, but we're gonna take an astral trip down the Doctor Strange movie, if that's okay.
1: That's That's great. <laughs>
3: Um, what is what do you take away from the movie in in a general way I mean I want to get into specifics where we talk a little bit about what I and and correct me if I'm wrong physicalists versus substantial substance dualists Uh Um, what do you have any initial takeaways from the Doctor Strange movie
1: um I think my my initial takeaway is how we should avoid the sort of hubris that strange seems to convey at the beginning of the film Mm -hmm. where, although he's very talented and very intelligent, a brilliant surgeon, um, he seems to be uh, kind of confined in a prison of his own making where from the get-go, he now just kind of rules out other possible ways of looking at things. And I think this not only uh, is detrimental to his, uh, professional life but also his personal life and so then how my takeaway from the strange movie and this is um how i w- would would answer raymond's question is that it, it's really about the arc that strange goes through and it's really about the realizations and the and the enlightenment that that he um benefits by at the end of the movie
3: the um worldview at the beginning of the movie that uh uh, that he gives to the ancient one is: I don't believe in fairy fairy tales about the power of belief. No, su- no such thing as spirit, or made Species. of matter, nothing more. You're just another momentary speck within a within an indifferent universe. Yeah, and obviously the ancient one sees it very differently. We're both body and spirit. Can you talk a little bit about you know the conflict between flesh and bone, you know, uh, physicalist versus you know, mind and soul, like substance dualists, if I'm getting that at all right.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. So w- human beings are are interesting in that we, we see ourselves kind of trapped between two worlds in a way. So there's there 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 are lots of there are lots of things that we can understand about the body through science and, and, and research. Um, and and in some ways, uh, science and neuroscience and, and those sorts of uh, research avenues are are quite impressive in what they've in what they've learned um, and what they can teach us uh, about ourselves. However, there is this other aspect to our existence that's very difficult to quantify, and and it's and it's more qualitative. And um, philosophers uh, of of my ilk, they we we tend to talk about how there is this first-person qualitative experience, um, the, the, the data of our experiences that almost can't be eliminated um, from how we make sense of who we are. And because of that, and because it doesn't quantify very well, it's, it's data that we have to somehow make sense out of. And so some people wanna say, well, what that leads us to believe then is that there's more to us than just our physicality. There is this, this other extra element or aspect or dimension. And so here we are, the philosophers in us, we're trying to navigate these two worldviews, the physical, and that's not going away because science is a powerful tool. But then there's also this kind of qualitativeness, this kind of to to who we are, and, and I think in large part what philosophy is, at least I, I'm painting with a very broad brush, is, is those of us who really kind of dig deep into that, trying to figure out how to navigate the two worlds. And I think then that the, the movie kind of picks up on that. And, and in large part, I think that's why the movie is philosophical, is because it makes us think about um, all right, we are bodies, and strange is a neurosurgeon, and there's a reason why neuro neurosurgery works, but yet there's something more, and how can we make sense of that something more? How is it important? Why is it important? And and how can we navigate uh, that world and the more physical world?
0: Cool. So
2: uh, there are so many questions going through my mind right now, but since Jim sort of asked you the question about being a momentary speck in an indifferent universe, what does it mean through the lens of philosophy that Strange quotes it to the Ancient One and then Caecilius quotes it to him?
1: It might be about how it is that we, each of us, try to find our place in the world. And, and, what, and what's doctor, what the movie does is it ups the stakes and it tries to suggest that there are lots of different worlds. And, and not only do we have to find our, our place in this world, but we have to find our place in other worlds too, um, at least through the logic of, of the film. And, and I think what the film is suggesting is that there are different ethical approaches that we can take as we try to find our place, not only in this world, but also in other worlds. Thank you.
3: Fascinating. Uh, that, that was a really good question. Fascinating. Raymond, you give good questions. Come on now.
2: <laughs> oh, Justin, believe. I'm ready to go to where this man is and invite him out for coffee to have conversation. So many things going through my mind right now. It's like that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> well, if I may, can I ask a next question? Of Please. Course. Okay, so the average listener to this station right now, it wouldn't probably classify themselves as a philosopher. And Yet, this thing called philosophy is important in, you know, our spiritual journey. So for you, how would, what would you suggest to those who aren't of the philosopher ilk to broaden or widen the keyhole? Even though we're probably not going to get a lot of answers to these questions, what is the benefit of even asking the questions?
1: Right. All right. So um, Socrates is often seen as the patron saint of Western philosophy. And, and what Socrates was all about was um, asking difficult questions about important things, important things that affect the human condition generally. Uh, what is virtue? Can it be taught? What can I know? What kind of state is best? What is the best life? And what he thought was that if he could have good reasons for answering those questions in a certain way, then he could get closer to the truth of them. Now, he, he knew full well that he wasn't going to get the whole way, um, or at least it was incredibly unlikely that he was going to get the whole way, all of the truth. And he, uh, he and Plato talked about the form of the, of the good, and so he, they thought that there was the truth of the matter. But Socrates was humble enough to realize that he probably wasn't going to find it.
3: Okay, I'm sorry. I, let me stop you here real quick. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we will hear more about Socrates. <laughs> Be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.
1: Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson.
3: Hi, and welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Dean Kowalski, professor of philosophy and contributor to the book Dr. Strange in Philosophy.
1: So to, to pick up on, on where we left off, I, I think then what, what happens is two things, at least two things. One, you, you get an appreciation for how complex and how involved and, and really just kind of how um, deafening in a way the pursuit of the truth is. You learn that there's so much more to who you are that's out there that you can learn about. And in a way that's, that's kind of spiritual and, and, it, and it takes on kind of a, of, a, of a religious tone in a way. Where, in a sense, if philosophers worship at all or have a kind of faith at all, it tends to be that a faith in the truth out there, and uh, which is why I kind of like the X Files. And then, and then, um, what we need to do is we need to pursue it. Now, the second thing is, how do we go about pursuing that? And for philosophers, it's about having the best arguments and 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 going where the arguments take you, and having the the courage of your convictions to follow that logic as best you can, uh, in the hopes then that even if you can't find the truth, you can figure out what neighborhood it's in.
3: Sweet, thank you, sir. Now, substance dualists, I guess you, we would probably be fo- fall more in that category than than the physicalists, just because we're you know, kind of oriented that way. Um, What is, uh, but you you make a good point in the article in that, that there's no real evidence. You can't, you can't prove substance dualism. Right. So uh, my question to you is, do you stand on one side or the other or is it just, it's just an exploration of where things could go?
1: It's, um, again, going back to, to this trying to navigate the, 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 the two worlds and then tying back into Raymond's question is that philosophers almost always want to have a good reason to believe something. And, and so then what they do is they try to figure out, all right, how can I at least make some sort of sense between the connection uh, that is supposed to be between my physical self and my non-physical self? And this is where uh, most philosophers talk about what's called interactionism, going all the way back to Descartes. And, and here's, here's the tricky thing, is that in trying to, in trying to somehow synthesize these two worlds, there's, there, there isn't a, a very good answer about how that is supposed to work. Um, and so if you think of it in this way, how, how does the non-physical soul come into contact with the body? Uh, because it would have to be physical to come into contact with it. Um, and how, how then would the physical body somehow be fitted to a non-physical entity when, when fitness in that sense would seem to require physicality? Now, the movie kind of skirts that by talking about energy and how there there are these various energies that, that can be harnessed, and that's what the Sorcerer Supreme is supposed to do. Um, and and I, I think that's a convenient way of doing that, but I also think it's kind of a cheat, uh, at least many philosophers would see it that way, because energy is physical. And as physical, it translates back into matter and all of those physical categories. And so then it's a way of, the movie then comes up with a way of having us, I'm, Immersed in this world without really answering the question, but giving us enough to go on where we can continue thinking about it So the short version then is philosophers have a really difficult time trying to come up with a good reason for believing in what's called interactionism Nevertheless the qualitative part of our existence doesn't go away and so then we're stuck um, Still with these two worlds, but not knowing exactly how to navigate them
3: Wow! <laughs> <Okay>. Wow! <laughs> interesting, interesting. So, are there any other things that you want to talk about with Doctor Strange before we, you know, before I, I force Raymond to jump into the Whedon verse, whether he wants to or not?
1: <laughs> the 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 one thing that I, I guess I I would I would kind of bring up again is, and what I try to get across at the end of the chapter is, for for philosophers it's important then that we have beliefs that are not impossible. Um, However, it may not be sufficient all the time just to have beliefs that are possibly true. What we would prefer to have are beliefs that are probably true. Mm -hmm. And so then the issue for a lot of philosophers is how do we go from the merely possible to the probable. And what we learn then from all that is the kind of humility about how big the truth is. And so then that I think in the end is why I was so kind of interested in Dr. Strange is because that's, that, that's the arc that, that Strange goes on. He realizes that even if, even if it's possible that there are all these different things, what he also learns is a kind of humility in trying to navigate his new world.
3: Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, Let's jump into the Whedonverse, which is of course absolutely producer, writer, executive producer, multi-talented Josh, Josh Whedon's worlds of uh, of fiction and adventure. Um, my favorite is Firefly, um, yeah. which I, I'm attempting to get Raymont to watch almost forcibly. Um, <laughs> But uh, but he 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 claims he's going to do it. But in any case, right. um, I I kind of think that there to me there's a spiritual conversation to be had in the universes of of, of Whedon. But mm-hmm. I know I know Whedon's an atheist, and yep. I, I guess I I wonder is it okay for me to ascribe you know spirituality and this kind of philosophy to his work. Even though he might not have intended it, that's just a general question I have.
1: That's a really good question. So uh, a couple a couple ways you can think about that. So the 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 kind of quick professional answer is: Well, Buddhists technically are atheists, but Mm -hmm. they're certainly very spiritual. Right. Um. So so then, what we would have to do is we'd have to then try to figure out: um, Are there any analogs in in Whedon's stuff. So Whedon did a, a YouTube interview or an interview that found its way to YouTube. Um, and I can't remember where it was, but, but somebody asked him that sort of question. Mm-hmm. And, and what he said is, well, for, for me, spirituality and, and faith and, and, and those sorts of parts of, of my life, they're more subtle. They're, they're, they're more between the cracks. And, and what he wants to do is he wants to explore those, those subtleties. And what he believes then is that, uh, and this is almost a quote, that, that ethics doesn't happen because of God, but he thinks ethics happens because God is not. Hmm. And so he thinks then that without God, it really comes down to our relationships with each other hmm. and, and how we see ourselves as one among many. And in a way, then, what I've often found kind of interesting is that if you look carefully enough, in a way, Whedon is just as spiritual as anybody else. It's just that he's coming at it from a different starting point.
3: Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love the interaction, interactions between Book, who's who's the preacher on the show with kind of a, a interesting past that we don't know a whole lot about but and and mal who's you know mal kind of lost his faith during the war or after the war whereas uh book gained his his faith and i love that interaction to discuss all that right
1: and so there again uh whedon does a really nice job of of articulating rich characters that are they're they're not cookie cutter they're they're they actually have some depth to them Right. And, and in many ways, you can understand or interpret Whedon as saying, all right, well, here we are in the middle. So we have, we have Mal, who was a man of faith, who lost his faith, and now he's kind of trying to find his bearings again. And we have Book, who, according to one story, um, was a soldier, and, and he was a lot like the operative uh, was in the film. Um, but then realized that that was not for him, and that was not the proper the proper path for him. And so then he then went on this different path, and he found faith and spirituality. Um, and and it's interesting to me that in in the Shepherd's Tale, in the graphic novel that that Whedon um, had a hand in, um, book found his new path by staring into a bowl of soup, and and it was it was a rather Buddhist. Uh, or Hindu revelation about how it is that everything is interconnected and how his existence depends upon more than just him. It it depends upon everything. Um, And so what we have is these two characters and Whedon says, all right, here you are. You're listening to the book. You're listening to Mal. How do you see things? And so in a sense, Whedon is philosophical in a way similar to Socrates because he's asking this question. It's just that he's asking it in a way that's wrapped up in his art. And so then we get to benefit and enjoy by it twice.
3: Share some insights. We answer the question.
1: All right. That how, what, what kind of role should, I, should, I, uh, should faith and spirituality play in my world?
2: So the whole idea of uh, Mordo being an absolutist with you know, being upset later that the ancient one quote unquote lied to him and yeah. said, You told us we this is forbidden, and yet you drew power from right. the dark to sustain your life. And like there's just, you know, my mind is swirling about a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff. So go ahead and ask your next question, Jim. And I'm going to just continue to sit at the foot of the master and just take it all in. <laughs> You're very <freaking laughs>
3: <laughs> well, well, of course that brings me because you interrupted with Doctor Strange. I have to come back to Firefly. All right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what? Go forward. What do you love about <laughs> Firefly in a philosophical way? Um.
1: Oh boy. Okay. So, what? What I appreciate. What I appreciated most was how it was that there were these the small group of travelers and and some of them had known each other before and some of them had not known each other before but they all kind of found each other and and it's clear to me that they were not happy in the in the overall large regime uh this kind of totalitarian government they they couldn't be individuals and that that sort of life is not for them and so then what they did is they they kind of formed their own commonwealth their own community where it was really about the relationships between each other, that's what really mattered. And so long as they could keep flying, then they could live uh, in a way that, that they wanted to. Um, of course, the Alliance was always gonna be on their tail, um, but, but they could live freely and, and in a way that was, that was important and meaningful to each of them. And, and I thought that that was kind of a neat idea. Is that to have a traveling state, in a sense, that was nimble, that was um, uh, exactly what they wanted to be. Insofar as it, it could be that, uh, based upon virtuous interactions between um, real individuals, that's what really kind of drew me in. So again, it was the characters that Wien is able to to articulate, but but also the the their foibles and how they're real people and how they're how they're just trying to make their way as, as best they can that really kind of spoke to the philosopher in me.
3: Raymond I was just kidding when I said don't bring in Dr. Strange. You can bring in <laughs> anything you want. Good.
1: But <laughs> but but there is an interesting connection be, be, because Whedon is no fan of of these kind of rules that are just kind of put in place arbitrarily where you can't even think about breaking them. Um, mm. and, that, and that goes back to Buffy's relationship with the Watchers Council. So these old dudes from England have all these rules in place and these rules go back, uh, I mean, way back. Um, and, and Buffy doesn't understand why she has to follow some of these stodgy old rules. Mm. And so then what Whedon does is, is Whedon there too crafts a character that says, all right, well, maybe some rules are important, but why do I have to follow these other rules? And how can I decide when to follow the rules and when not? And so it gets really messy. Uh, Whedon's narratives and his his work is is shades of gray, uh, which again, then gives us something to think about. So to go back to Dr. Strange, was the ancient one correct in what she did? That's a tough one. Was Mordo at the end of the film Kind of overly strict about the rules I think so And so they're strange in the middle Trying to navigate those two views Yes, rules are important perhaps Yes, sometimes you can um, Play havoc with the rules So then what's the, what's the proper approach As then he tries to Navigate his relationship with Tony Stark
3: In Endgame <laughs>
2: Exactly <laughs>
3: So, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is there is there a you know is there a difference between good and evil in there? I mean, what is the what is the philosophy between good and evil there? These are just simple questions, I understand, but yeah. <laughs> you can answer in a sense um, or two. Here, here's
1: what I would say about that: is is Whedon is never a fan of these kind of cold, calculating, utilitarian um, calculations about. Uh, how we have to weigh that against that and come up with some sort of calculus for what we ought to do. Whedon is much more interested in, in the smallness of ethics, in, in the virtue in, in the virtuous relationships between others. And so there is this um, there, 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 there are lots of examples of this where uh, instead of doing what is best overall, um, which again is not outlandish I mean that that's that's a that's a reputable view to take Buffy almost always opts for saving Willow or sacrificing herself by closing the rift uh, at the end of season five um, rather than sacrificing Dawn Um, you find that in Angel as well where um, Angel um, is after redemption and so he he's hoping that he can re, he can redeem himself from hundreds of years of, of being a vile creature, but but as he does that he learns that his relationships with Fred and and with uh, uh, um, Cordy um, are just as important uh, as his pursuit of, of redemption. And in fact, at the end of the series, it seems that the the, the revelation that Angel comes to is he can't be redeemed without those relationships. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, any other comments on the verse? i mean there's so much to talk about with the Whedon um i'm looking forward to his new shows too um uh, what and hopefully a Firefly revival come on i hope so uh, <laughs> but wh- any other comments about the verse that you you'd like to get in there about philosophy and 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 approaches and that sort of thing
1: um, the, the one thing that I, I explore a little bit uh, in, in the book um, that we haven't talked about so far was in, in Cabin in the Woods, which is Whedon's love-hate letter to the horror genre. Whedon has this interesting view where he thinks that horror films and, and participating in horror-type stories can provide a kind of inoculation to real-world horror. And, mm-hmm. and and it kind of gives us a, a way of immersing ourselves safely in, in that, so then that if we ever are in a terrible, awful situation, that we can deal with them a little bit better. However, he also sees that there are lots of horror films that are just, they're almost pornographic for 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 lack of of a better term where it's just about the the mutilation and it's just about um seeing teenagers as fodder and and that's the kind of horror film that he really doesn't appreciate and so then cabin in the woods what he does is through this horror genre and using certain tropes that that have become kind of common about the final girl and about um and about all these mutilations is he wants us to take a look at ourselves in the mirror. And in Cabin in the Woods, there are lots of mirrors and screens. And I think he's trying to suggest to us, okay, look at yourself looking at this movie. And what do you see of yourself? Um, why are you here? Um, is, it, is it just for the, the, the titillation? Is it just for the thrill ride? Or is it something else? And can we be more of a discerning con- consumer when it comes to the horror genre? So if it's not going away, If we don't have a choice in that, then maybe we do have a choice about what kind of horror films we see. Um, And and again, I I kind of find that sort of insightful. um, And and there too, Wieden is trying to give us something to think about through
3: his art. Excellent. Have you seen The Mandalorian? I have not. Okay. What, are there any shows on the radar for you or any movies on the radar for you now that are, that are developing that have, have the same kind of interest for you? Um, let's see.
1: I've, I'm not sure about that. Um, I, I can say that um, I'm going to take a, a step back and the next project is going to be Indiana Jones and Philosophy. Oh, cool and um, and and that's and that's going to be about you know the nature of good and evil and and religion and faith, um and, and ethics and um it'll be hopefully it'll be out by the time the, the fifth movie comes
3: out in, in a year or two, um with the ninety year old uh, Indiana Jones I believe right,
1: right right, um and and interestingly enough Harrison Ford uh, went to the same college that I went to. Um, and so uh, there's, there's that kind of slight connection. Um, but of course he, we weren't there together, but, um, uh, but new shows that, that, I mean, I I think, I think, um, is it, is it, um, is it Black Mirror? Is that, is that one of them? I mean, that's, that's getting a lot of press. Um, but what, what I find kind of interesting is that with forums like Disney Plus and Netflix and, and Amazon, I think we're going to see more interesting uh, television um, that that goes beyond uh, network TV, um, and and maybe Game of Thrones started that, uh, and maybe some other series too, where the storylines can be more involved and get more complex and more and and more themes that are kind of weighty get thrown into that so i just think that sort of genre that philosophy and pop culture genre is not stopping anytime soon
3: any other takeaways that you think you can give us about just thinking about pop culture thinking about philosophy thinking about how we might develop our own sense of living in the world again just a minor question
1: (laughs) right right so I think one thing to think about is how the difference between so-called low low pop culture and high pop culture is 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 really there is no divide anymore. I think I think everything's on a continuum now, and to be perfectly honest, this may have started with The Simpsons, mm-hmm, and actually, and The Simpsons yeah. um, has it had the veneer of of low culture. I mean, there there are a lot of kind of uh, there's a lot of bathroom humor and there's a lot of kind of one line gags. But if you looked really carefully at The Simpsons and if you really listened and if you really watched, you found out that they were actually exploring some some really interesting, difficult topics. Right. And, and I think The Simpsons then kind of opened the floodgates about pop culture and how there could be uh, high pop culture that was still uh, entertainment, that was still wonderful to watch, that people could get into um, – and, and to be perfectly honest, the Marvel movies are kind of doing that too, is that on, on the surface, it just kind of looks like a superhero movie. But if you really watch them, mm-hmm. there's a lot more going on underneath the surface. And so what I would recommend to your viewers is, maybe if you can possibly spare the time, watch your favorite films and your favorite TV shows like you would read a book. And if, and if, you, and if you invest in them with that, that level of detail, There are so much more that you could find if only you were to look carefully, which then is why I tend to think that um, philosophy is such a good outlet for that. Because philosophy, if you look carefully about, about your daily world, it's everywhere. What should I do here? What's best? What's going to happen when I die? And so then it's really about keeping your eyes open and looking carefully at the world around you and seeing what's really truly out
3: there.
2: And insert amen at that point. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Excellent. Thank you,
3: Dean. Where can people find out more about your work, or where can they buy your books? Um,
1: that's kind of good to ask. Uh, they're they're on Amazon. Uh, that's probably the best way to to find them. Um, I don't uh, I don't really have a, a web page myself. I'm not a social media guy. Socrates never had the internet. Um, <laughs> So uh, Amazon is, is probably
3: the best uh, avenue. Why can't I take your classes online? I want to do an online class of one of yours.
1: Um, <laughs> that's, that's, so, that's so kind of you to say. Uh, ma- maybe I'll look into that. Uh, I haven't, I've never taught an online class. Uh, like Wheaton, I really enjoy that, the face-to-face personal interactions with my students. I prefer small classrooms. Uh, but if you guys are ever anywhere near Waukesha, you are always welcome to sit in any one of my classes.
3: Thank you so much, Dean. It's been great having you on. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. For more information about Raymond, go to raymondanderson.com. I've got some premium video courses from amazing instructors talking spirituality, creativity, and motivation on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me there. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. And now here's a quick clip from Faith Rivera's song, Let It Out. She's wonderful.
0: Mm -mm -mm -mm. I have within me greater power than I have used, more life than I have lived, more strength than I've known. I have within me greater talent to express. More courage I can muster, more faith that I can show. Oh, I am
1: ready. Turn it loose, turn it on. I'm gonna bring it on. Let it shine, let it soar. Be brighter
0: than before. Dance and sing, do my thing. I'm gonna bring it on and on and on. on. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming. Yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network available wherever you get your podcasts until we meet again. Don't take your dreams lying down.